got the plague. I got a fever. You've got the plague. Welcome to The Plague, the podcast where we look not just at the ongoing coronavirus pandemic, but at the societal plagues, the plagues created by human socioeconomic systems that make the coronavirus more virulent and dangerous. I'm your host, L.M. Bogad, broadcasting from my shelter-in-place bunker, and every episode we examine a different societal plague, a political or social pre-existing condition that cross-indicated with the coronavirus, makes it deadlier than it could otherwise ever be. The coronavirus infects the human body, but what illnesses in our body politic make us more vulnerable? Economic inequality, environmental devastation, labor precarity? We pick a different social plague each week and talk with an expert about how that plague makes this pandemic worse and what we can do about it. Today's guest experts are Annie Sprinkle and Beth Stevens, and they'll be talking about the plague of what they call eco-matricide and how eco-sexuality is the cure. Beth Stevens and Annie Sprinkle have been pollinating the eco-sex movement through art theory, practice, and activism since 2004. They've produced numerous performance artworks, eco-sex symposiums, weddings to nature entities, workshops, walking tours, and art exhibits. Their award-winning documentary, Goodbye Galling Mountain, an eco-sexual love story, played many film festivals and is on iTunes. Beth is an art professor at UC Santa Cruz, and Annie earned her PhD in human sexuality. Their new film is Water Makes Us Wet, about the pleasures and politics of water. It's screened at Documenta 14 and the New York Museum of Modern Art. They aim to make the environmental movement a little more sexy, fun, and diverse. You've got the play. You've got the play. Beth Stevens and Annie Sprinkle, we're so excited to have you on the plague. Uh, can you talk to us about what you have identified as a major plague uh, and terrible pre-existing condition in our society, which is something that you call eco-matricide? Can you tell us a little bit more about that? Well, yes. A lot of people, this is Beth, a lot of people um, think about the Earth as Mother Earth. And while there are many heartwarming connotations that come with that, it also seems that um, people think they can take advantage of, of the Mother archetype of the Earth. And so they take and take and dig and dig and extract, extract and cut and cut and drill and drill. And right now the earth is dying, and it's died many, many little deaths along the way. But we're in real, um, we're in really tough straits right now in terms of uh, the ecological well-being of the earth, to the point of our, our ourselves having killed our mother, Mother Earth. Right. That we we feel like the earth is. Um, it's usually depicted in a lot of cultures as female or, you know, if you see art sculptures of the earth, they're female. Um, obviously, you can use any archetype, any gender. We tend to think of the earth as trans, all genders. But, um, yeah, it, people, you know, treat women uh, 
not as well as they might treat men because we are a patriarchal society and women are abused, raped, and exploited. And being that we, their society sees the earth as, imagines the earth mostly as female, um, people feel they can rape, abuse, and exploit the earth. Of course, we are part of the earth as well. And since the earth is seen as a mother, even though we're raping, abusing, and exploiting the earth, the mother is supposed to always come back and take care of us. Mm. You're making mm-hmm. me think of the that strange uh, tale, the, the kid's book, The Giving Tree, uh, by Shel Silverstein, where it's like, it's, it's this thing, the tree is like the mother, and it keeps letting the little boy cut off pieces and take pieces away. And there's no, and that's it. Like, it's kind of a bizarre story, but I guess, I mean, I think a lot of people are think, Oh, mother earth is this, is this really powerful paradigm. I appreciate what you're saying. Like actually in a, in a patriarchal society, it may actually lead to mistreatment of the earth more. Well, I think that I think that we are doing more than mistreating the earth. We're hacking the earth to bits, and all of the good things that um, that our government, you know, tried to do with the Clean Water Act or the Clean Air Act or the Environmental Protection Agency, you know, none of these were perfect devices for stopping, um, you know, the kind of destruction that capital capitalism and you know patriarchal capitalism wrecks upon the on the earth, but. Um, they were trying, you know, and those things are being abolished by our current federal government. And um, that's a plague, yeah. you know, and, and it's releasing things that were never intended to be released into the um, onto the surface of the earth or into the atmosphere. And it's kind of it's really crazy. Right. I mean, I guess the despoiling of the earth. Uh, Beth, I, I, I know you're from Appalachia and you've talked about that a lot in your work. And Annie, I know you and Beth have gone to do work in Appalachia around the devastation there, uh, around resource extraction. Does that fit in? Does like the sort of blowing up the whole side of the mountain, mountaintop renewal, uh, removal, I said renewal, mountaintop, <laughs> I wish, <laughs> uh, mountaintop removal. Yeah. Uh, does that fit into this eco-matricide sort of paradigm you're talking about? Oh, that would be a great example of eco-matricide because, you know, you think about the earth as, I mean, those mountains, you think about being in the bosom of the mountains, and then you blow the bosom up, right? I mean, it's just this incredible, our film was called Goodbye Golly Mountain, an eco-sexual love story, and you can actually see it on Amazon, or no, not Amazon. No, that's on on iTunes. 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 Yeah, Golly's like G-A-U-L-E-Y. But anyhow, that's a perfect example of eco-matricide. What do you think? Yeah, the Appalachian Mountains, if you've been there in West Virginia, they're so feminine and soft and curvy and gorgeous. And, you know, I tend to see those mountains as female as well. And I'm we're not against the idea of using Earth as a mother archetype because it's very beautiful. The Earth does feed us and take care of us in very motherly ways, but we're uh, proposing the idea of Earth as lover, imagining that. You can also imagine the Earth as a friend or a sister or a, or a daughter Companion. or a grandmother. I mean, we say the Earth is in menopause. Yeah. Uh, she's a very old lady, yeah. and she's disrespected, really disrespectful activities towards the earth and honestly 
even though we are made of water and stardust and we're made of oil uh all the things that are you know part of nature we are nature we're not separate um we still yeah we think of ourselves as separate and better than you know and well is there something about oh mom's always going to provide for me and i don't really have to give back is part of the patriarchal paradigm maybe like mom will always be there for me and in reality if we don't have a reciprocal nature uh sorry reciprocal relationship of some kind with gaia with everything with nature uh it can't it can't function that way that's that's a one-way relationship does that is that what you're getting at or well i think that is one of the things yeah that totally makes sense that's one of the things we're getting at Mm -hmm. um and that's one of the reasons that we're trying to shift the metaphor from earth as mother Mm -hmm. to earth as lover because if you have a lover and you're not reciprocal with that lover the lover will leave Mm -hmm. and death is a form of leaving too so you know as we take 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 from the earth um, you know, always having to have a greater, G, you know, what, GD, GDP. what is it, gross domestic, GDP, sure. GDP, it can never, you know, it always has to be greater and greater, which means more and more taking, more and more destruction, more and more extraction, right? Mm-hmm. Um, the Earth doesn't really, I mean, you know, it hasn't even had a chance to catch its breath, literally, until this COVID-19 mm-hmm. uh, plague has happened. And now, you know, everyone's realizing and noticing how much better the earth is doing. The air is cleaner. The animals are returning to all kinds of places. Mm-hmm. But the earth as lover is really a, a statement of recipro- reciprocality, you know, reciprocity um, that, you know, the earth gives to us and we give back to the earth. And it's a um, it's not a one way street, you know. It's right. it's it's about giving and getting and giving back, well, and and about gratitude. Mm-hmm. It's like we kind of have a broken feedback system in the patriarchal society, whereas people have watched the um, the uh, before the plague hit, really up until recently, the stock market skyrocketing, and it was skyrocketing a large in a large part because of uh, environmental and other regulations being lifted. You know, uh, things that Mm -hmm. damage the earth made the stock market go up. So if the system is being given this kind of almost a bump of cocaine in terms of like getting higher briefly uh, by doing the wrong thing, we've got a broken sort of thermometer on what's working. And I appreciate your pointing out that actually this stoppage of all of this extraction, unfortunately, because of a pandemic, is giving us some a, a message that's a little more instructive of what we need to do. Does that, you know, like uh, we need to stop polluting. We need to figure out a way to go forward without extracting and, and polluting. Well, it's really interesting, Larry, because I don't actually think this pandemic stopping extraction. I think that uh, our, our government right now is using this pandemic to, uh, you know, do all kinds of new mining projects and new drilling projects and new pipeline projects. Mm-hmm. So while the population is shut in at home, you know, and all of these sort of draconian laws can be made, uh, the Trump administration is actually freeing up um, corporations to extract more. And so, you know, what's happening is the extraction's continuing to happen, but we're not burning the fuel right now. But that fuel, you know, is being taken out. And so, um, you know, it's a real bait and switch. Very right? good point. There's disaster capitalism and there's pandemic capitalism. And here yeah. we are. Mm-hmm. Here we are. Mm. You know, one of the other archetypes um, 
we think about is how the earth being imagined as female uh, people don't try to dominate and control the earth like sometimes people try to dominate and control females um, so for example the fires uh, coming soon back at the end of summer um, and global warming all these things all these these are people well lot somewhat pe caused by people these big problems and people think they're so powerful that they can dominate and control the mother earth and part of our mission is to be like yentas uh, to help people relationship counselors help people connect with with uh, the non-human worlds in a reciprocal relationship and this that's basic ecofeminism and I have to um, you know shout out the ecofeminists that came before us um, well but it's also post you know it's post-humanism it's science technology studies it's it's a series of different you know um, kinds of, of fields absolutely but advances in yeah. these fields acknowledging that these new paradigms and ways of thinking about political economy well, and community. Um, well, the paradigms are new, but they're also old. I mm. mean, a lot of indigenous cultures hold these beliefs and have, you know, since before 1492. Right. And some do, some do consider the earth as father and the sky as mother. Hmm. Um, hmm. Other cultures, it's father, sky, mother, earth. And we aren't, uh, saying that's a bad thing. It's a good thing. It's just some of us don't get along that well with our mothers. <laughs> like, I I always had a problem accessing a good relationship with a non-human. I, I, I was a city girl, and I didn't know how to connect and love the earth because, yeah, I saw the earth as a, a mother. Or imagine the earth as a mother. And the minute I realized that I could imagine the earth as a lover, everything shifted and I was able to deepen my relationship. But it's not for everybody. And, you know, a lot of people do rape and abuse and exploit lovers too. So this is not the be all end all cure for the problem. Oh, I, I appreciate that. Yeah, I, I appreciate that kind of pantheistic. You're saying whatever metaphor makes you, brings you more in harmony with nature mm -hmm. and for it's going to work different in different cultures, but mm -hmm. yeah. Um, and for different people. Some people just can't go there and imagine an earth as lover, mm -hmm. you know, because they are really um, happy with the earth as mother archetype, which is fine. You know, that's great. Whatever works for people. Well, well there's also the issue of sexuality and gender and some people get really freaked out by the term ecosexual mm -hmm. but we see ecosexual as really being an encompassing and uh, very welcoming sexuality you know it's a, it's like an ecology of sexualities anyone is welcome to be an ecosexual you can be straight and be an ecosexual you can be bisexual and be an ecosexual you can be um, you know asexual and be an ecosexual as long as you you know, really honor your relationship with the earth. Right. And that's really where we're coming from is, is this very open place. It's fantastic. And, and in adding this vocabulary uh, to 
the movement, I think, gives us a whole new way to think and, and to think and to feel on these issues and even to take action. So maybe what we'll do is, you know, we've analyzed the disease with this eco-matricide that you've laid out so clearly um, and the way that it continues even during the pandemic. Maybe we'll take a short break and come back and talk a little bit about eco-sexuality in action as a cure or a treatment for that plague. You, 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 you've got the plague. You've got, you've got the plague. Annie and Beth, uh, you've been advocating and exemplifying in your activism and your art and your filmmaking uh, eco-sexuality for quite some time now. And I'm wondering if you could share with the audience examples of actions and performances and art you've created and events that you've created as eco-sexuals uh, in the world. We've done 21 big performance art, experimental conceptual weddings where we married different nature entities. So we married the snow in Canada. We've married Lake Calabasi in Finland. We've married the Appalachian Mountains. We married the sun here in San Francisco on Bernal Hill in our neighborhood. We've married soil in Austria. So we do site-specific environmental activist kind of weddings. But what happens is you really, once you make that vow, and everybody's invited to make the vow, whether it's 100, 200, 300, we've had 500, 600 people come, they can make the vows to love, honor, and cherish, cherish the earth until death brings us closer together forever. forever. Beautiful. So, so everyone is invited to make the vows. We always have objectors to the wedding, you know, and but we follow the basic wedding ritual. And our mission is really to try to make the environmental movement a little more sexy and fun and diverse. Because we don't always fit into <laughs> different factions of the environmental movement because we're weirdos and and queer and artists and, and sex positive sex uh, yeah former porn stars mm -hmm. stuff and you know we can't be ourselves Beth uh, yeah she's a wild hillbilly girl <laughs> and sometimes she hugs trees and in public <laughs> i don't know no. yeah uh, we've done public tree hugging we've also in addition to the weddings and i just want to say <laughs> that once you make a vow to love honor and cherish the earth it, it makes you see everything differently oh. because you're really connected at that point and and you don't want to see other people abusing or misusing yeah. you know well the, the natural environment i mean it hurts to see that even as we also we drive cars yeah you know we produce garbage i mean it's it's, it's there. It's, there are these times when you know, um, like in our in our second film, water makes us wet. There's a scene where we're eating hamburgers from McDonald's, <laughs> and it's just this very conflicted and funny and like you know scene that we're part of this capitalistic system, sure. but we do try to live up to our vows, yeah. and we try very hard. Well, but we I mean, still have fly to Europe, uh, but now maybe now. That, now, <laughs> maybe that's over. I know, Greta Thunberg cast a spell, and all the airplanes are no longer yeah. flying. <laughs> so we're, we're going to take a sailboat next yeah. time. Uh, we, But we are all eco-sinners, and we certainly use plastic. Sure. And Well, it, this is the yeah. thing is, I think when there's a purity <laughs> test that's impossible to pass, it is immobilizing and paralyzing. <laughs> and basically, if we all recognize when you wake up in the morning and 
put the coffee in the coffee maker or whatever. Okay, you're already implicated in the system because you're a cell in the organism. So let that be and do your best and be part of the movement and embrace the complexity and the contradiction and try to make the math as good as you can. Because if you wait for the moment to take action when you are pure, you're going to be waiting a long time, aren't you? Well, we don't really believe in purity. Yes. We like dirt. dirt. We like being dirty. Absolutely. You know, we. I couldn't agree. You know, more. you were asking some of the things that we had done. We did that. We've done several um, dirt bed pieces where we actually make love in a bed of dirt. Yes. And as uh, performance as art, as performance in art, public, yeah. on yeah. stage, in <laughs> theaters. We we do well, outdoors well, also, not just yeah. on stage. I, I honestly, I honestly believe that movements that depend on purity kind of spawn monsters. And when we agree to be impure and complex, and you know have a complex ecosystem, we're going to thrive a little bit more. And uh, I've seen that in your work because you you embrace that the all of that complexity and fun and playfulness as well yeah it's a hell of a lot more fun yeah. i mean being pure is really a, it is really a drag <laughs> you know because it's impossible yeah yeah and so you always are you know measuring yourself against this impossible right. um measure and you just end up being kind of mean and resentful sure. and bitter and then you punish other people yeah yeah i think that sounds <laughs> we're like seeing pattern. that all over the place right now you know absolutely you know if i can go back uh -huh. to your amazing wedding mass weddings for a bit um i i see them as these wonderful commitment ceremonies which is what a wedding is right but when mm. we need more ritual and sacredness and playfulness in our movements. And, you know, I've seen your weddings. I participated in one, as you know. We can talk about that in a minute. The cosmonaut. <laughs> so for the listeners, um, there was a marriage to the moon down in Southern California. And, oh. <laughs> and I was very flattered and honored for y'all to invite me to do something. And, yeah, I, I what was I? I played a cosmonaut. You were the cosmonaut <laughs> who got lost right. in outer space. I fell in love with and the moon. it was moon. so beautiful. <laughs> We had a lot of fun, and I thank you for letting me play along. And the costume is one of my favorites. Um, but yeah, I really loved being at that wedding as well as being a playful character within it because um, I saw this wonderful commitment ceremony. Uh, I'm committing to this entity of, of the universe, in this case the moon, provoked by NASA setting off uh, explosions on the moon to f try to find water. But um, even when you're doing a commitment ceremony for the mountains that are threatened in Appalachia, um, there's got to be something beyond the purely rational and the purely mathematical where you say, I've been part of this ritual with all these wonderful people and we had fun, but it was also serious and poignant. And I'm going to do something to defend these mountains now or the ocean, you mm -hmm. know, I, you know, I think it's a beautiful part of your, of what you do is that it really gets us to feel it and experience it. And the commitment ceremony is in our bones uh, after you've been through one of these, these weddings. If people are curious, uh, they can uh, search on the internet Ecosex Wedding Project on Vimeo. There's a 10-minute video of some of the clips of the wedding. And I, at weddings, I believe you're in it, Larry. <laughs> I'm not sure. Because we, we, we focus on seven different weddings. And the moon one wedding is in there. Wonderful. So, Wonderful. yeah. I mean, doing all those weddings really made me connect with with the you know all these entities in fact uh we just we had retired that project but uh amy franceschini of future farmers asked us if she could 
uh, produce a wedding to fog and with using some of our ideas and collaborating somewhat. And so we just married the fog at UC Santa Cruz. And I, I tell you, since I took those vows to the fog to love on and cherish, I feel completely different about fog. Mm. I'm in love with fog now, and I really found fog an irritation. <laughs> before. And I can say, you know, this was right before, this was right at the end of February. It was, fe- it was on February 28th, leap year day. And, you know, it was only a few weeks before this shelter-in-place thing took took hold and it was really comforting to have done that to to have that be the last kind of performance art thing that we did even though it was really amy franceschini's piece and the future farmers piece you know they were doing that in in collaboration with us and with the fog and with uc santa cruz and it was really beautiful so it has been something that's um you know, been kind of comforting to think about in this moment of sort of social fucking distancing. Yes. Can I say the F word on your podcast? Sure, I think it was appropriate. Yeah. <laughs> I, yeah, I think in the moment we're in, we, you know, we can be as frank as we need to be. Um, oh. Yeah, but I absolutely appreciate what you're saying in that, you know, we, we need to make these commitments and we you learn in many different ways and you commit through many different kinds of stimuli that make us commit. And become part of a movement. And uh, what's the role of playfulness in the movement to you? Uh, why is it important to be playful and have fun? Because we're little animals, Larry. Mm-hmm. I well, mean, we really are. And I think also that the environmental movement, I mean, if you look at the situation, if you look at the eco matricide that's going on all around us all the time, it is very heavy and very depressing. Mm-hmm. And I think that to you know, fully um, recognize that and to absorb that is it's shattering. And, and in some ways, I feel like the only response to that is to have fun, right? Because otherwise, it's so easy just to, you know, kind of slip into anger or rage or depression or alcoholism or, you know, I- irony or, 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 you know, just um, or become, you know, a coal, a coal owner or something, you know, like it's just so like, you know, what I'm saying is that, you know, it's so overwhelming that humor and fun are one of the ways that out of that, you know, and to empower yourself and other people. Well, I feel that permaculture is a term we use a lot. And I Mm. think that permaculture, the idea that something should be done so that it's sustainable and that it can renew itself, I feel that permaculture concepts apply to the body of the activist as well. Mm. And I think we forget that sometimes, and that's how burnout happens. Uh, Mm. So to approach things in your way, which is totally serious and committed and full on uh, and kind of wonderfully militant, uh, but in a way that gives joy as well. I, 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 I admire it, I have to say. Yeah, um, mm-hmm. yeah we, we like to uh, educate people and educate ourselves, too, about the issues. And sometimes humor really helps the medicine go down. We, we made a film, Water Makes Us Wet, an ecosexual love story, where we really learned about water. And we're both educators and we're both students. So, you know, learning should be fun. And while we are number one 
uh, artists and we try to make uh, good art and water makes us white show to the museum of modern art in new york so it's not a piece of shit <laughs> and, <laughs> and documenta and it is on amazon yes. you can watch it and a, a free for prime members and documenta yeah and it showed it documenta we were documenta artists so we've been you know relatively successful with this work but, you know, I like to dress up and, you know, ritual, you want to dress up. We do eco-sex walking tours um, with, you know, actually in Documenta, we had 200 people on a tour. We had a cast of 10 or 11 of us and a big sound system. And we get people to, through their senses, connect uh, erotically, sensually with flowers and trees and the grass do grassalingus uh do breathing erotic breathing and and so we get people's eco-sexual gaze on through these walking tours through the senses so sensuality and sexuality are part of what we do i've been a sex um positive activist and educator for many decades so I'm also really interested in expanding the idea of what is sex and questioning where does the body start and end and what we do to our own bodies we're doing to the earth and vice versa what we're doing to the earth we do to our own bodies because well, we are the same. We can tell that because of the diseases people are getting now. I mean, right. you know, the rate of cancer is like off the charts and even this COVID-19 plague is being connected to, um, you know, different kinds of um, environmental catastrophes, yes, really. Absolutely. In fact, our first episode was an interview with Jeff Conant, and he made the point that deforestation makes pandemics more likely to happen. And he yeah. broke that down really clearly, and I'm glad you mentioned that. Mm. Um, yeah. But so, like, the body is a microcosm of the entire uh, ecosystem, and mm-hmm. what's happening inside is what's happening outside. Uh, I, I, I thank you for making that clear. Um, can I can I ask you what kind of um, you've had some resistance to some of your actions at times in different countries, and then you've also had some wonderful successes. I feel, and I was wondering if you might want to share either some some reactions that you had to overcome uh, in in certain places, at, or just times where you really felt you got a lot of people on board and it was really successful. Well, we sometimes have a hard time getting grant funding to support our work because just the term ecosex scares people. And there's a um, there's a sort of mid-career film um, granting agency for women. And I sent them in our ideas for Water Makes Us Wet, and they gave me the feedback that, you know, their their organization doesn't want to fund our kind of art, right? <laughs> and I mean, the sort of sex negativity has been something that we've really had to... Um, go up against right. but in spite of that we've had really wonderful um, critics and 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 curators like Paul B. Preciado who um, you know began by really being an admirer of Annie's post-porn work and he has really um, promoted our ecosexual work as a sort of extension of the post-porn work and um, I mean we've we've had wonderful um, supporters especially in Europe but we've also you know, had, had people protest us in Norway or um, feminists, anti-porn <laughs> feminists. We've had um, the Moon Wedding, Larry, that you were performed in, which was uh, 500 people and who attended and 150 helped 
collaborate on creating the wedding. Um, uh, it was try people the parts and recreation tried to cancel our contract because yes. we had a contract to do a wedding and reverend billy was our officiant who's the artist uh billy talon who's amazing and has the church of earth and the church of stop shopping and a fantastic choir and they were at that wedding anyway controversy helps you know we try not to shy away from controversy when our contract they tried to cancel our contract reverend billy said it's a miracle uh, what a blessing you well know? we called and said oh billy something terrible has happened they canceled our contract like a week before the wedding yeah. people were coming from europe and uh -huh. had hotels and it was a disaster uh -huh. so we got a lot of publicity and we even <laughs> were able to fundraise because people wanted it to happen so we did i think a kickstarter because yeah, it got so much bigger but they were afraid we were going to moon the moon which we were going to i don't know they thought we were going to be very have they a thought flash we were going to have a porn star orgy <laughs> and a flash mob and you know people just they hear the word egos plus of course our work the wedding projects was also a protest about the idea of a marriage being only between a man and a woman reverend billy just did an amazing brave piece he's been arrested dozens of times he planted a rainbow flag in a pink suit uh by the and central park at that um that church of billy graham you know billy graham's son falwell yeah no, Falwell's. no it's it, billy graham oh yeah so where they discriminate against gbtq and muslim you know anyone that's not in that religion can't work there and god knows if they're dying if who they're gonna who are they gonna save the people that have their same religion and not queer people anyway so um reverend billy was awesome and he got um the burning man lawyer uh lightning lightning his name is gross tom gross. oh terry gross tom gross no terry terry gross yeah yeah hmm. oh anyhow he was burning man's lawyer and he oh. he went up against the park service and they backed down immediately because it was really that you know it was a really discriminatory yeah. platform that they had to stop the wedding oh, so I, but we had to promise not to moon the moon <laughs> and you might not have noticed this larry but they had their swap team practice while we were actually having the wedding you know so it was a it was a, a very practice. thinly veiled um threat yes i remember us talking about it before yeah. that oh my gosh they're trying to shut this wedding down to the moon and then afterwards we were talking about the SWAT team thing I couldn't believe it and isn't mm -hmm. it all tied together though eco matricide patriarchy homophobia sex negativity this is all part of the same you can see how they interlock you know um, absolutely yeah. absolutely and and it's because uh, yeah the well a lot of corporate greed and trying to control people getting us hooked on computers which god we really are now um but it's also the military industrial complex because the military spends tremendous resources on uh you know having all of their planes and equipment and all of these places all over the world and they need a lot of fuel to do that and so they um they you know they're invested in mining and things like that too 
So they'll protect it. They'll protect it with SWAT teams, with the military. They'll send the military up to, you know, Standing Rock or whatever they need to do to protect their resources. Right. And the extraction process, for sure. Um, Yeah. Well, I'm so happy that you all are in, I almost said the fight, and I want to rephrase that, I guess, but the struggle. We're in the the cuddle. The cuddle. We're in the cuddle. In the dance. We're not fighters, Larry. We're lovers, you know? So one of the pieces we did when we were in Athens, Greece, was we brought back our old iconic cuddle piece. Mm. And Paul Preciado wrote a text that went with that piece about, you know, governments putting up border walls. And in in response to that, we say cuddle. Mm -hmm. Uh, You know, in response to keeping out the migrants, we say cuddle, right? So we're cuddle we're cuddle artists, <laughs> as well as the other things that we do. Love artists. Yeah. Life is art artists and mm-hmm. experimental conceptual artists. Mm-hmm. And we try to, you know, we, we've done the eco-sex uh, movement since uh, 2008. Eight. We married the earth in a big wedding at Santa Cruz. And we've found it so powerful personally that we've been sharing it sometimes we think maybe we're done with it and it's time to go on to the next thing but we keep coming back to it because it's really really effective in in fighting the plague of eco matricide uh we've there's ecosexuals now all over the world and we even map them someone made a map and uh, this concept really caught fire. We didn't invent the idea, but we certainly took the ball and ran with it. Well, we turned on. it into a movement, I think. Yeah, and we've created an eco-sex manifesto that we would like to read on your show when the time is right, Absolutely. like now. Well, you know exactly. In fact, I was going to say, let's. This is amazing, and you know, I think your cure is exactly the prescription we need to deal with this terrible plague. Uh, let's take a brief break, and when we come back, I'd love to hear you You've do that reading. The plague. I got a fever. You got the plague. Annie and Beth, can you please share this document? Because I'm a personal fan of it, as I am of all of your work, uh, when you when you are ready to share. And maybe you can even set it up and tell us what we're about to hear. Well, when we started, when we realized that we had started a movement, right, we didn't really intend to start a movement, but when we realized that we had, we decided that, you know, well, every great movement has a, has a manifesto. And um, we thought, wow, well, you know, we should, we, should, um, uh, we should have a manifesto. So we wrote an eco-sex manifesto, but then our manifesto was quite long, and we were hanging out with your friend, Guillermo Gomez-Pena, mm-hmm. around our kitchen table. And um, we decided that we should, you know, maybe just collaborate and edit our manifesto down a little bit, and he could add his voice. And we, uh, also, we recycled our manifesto a little bit. Yeah. Also, we shortened it because he did a reading of it at the, the Gay Pride, Queer Pride Parade, where we officially added the E to GLBTQI+++. E. So now we say GLBTQIE, don't forget it the E. It spells giblets if you... And uh, so, so we, we made a... We filmed it. It's in Water Makes Us Wet is the reading by Guillermo of this Ecosex Manifesto. And it's well, this 2.0. Is really an edit. This is an edit of the original. Yeah. Is there's yeah. a 1.0, and this will be our 2.0. Wonderful. Okay. 
So, Ecosex Manifesto. We are ecosexuals. The earth, the earth is, is our, our lover. Fiercely in love, we are permanently grateful for this relationship. To create a more mutual and sustainable union with our lover, we collaborate with nature. We treat the earth with respect, affection, and sensuality. We are aquaphiles, terrophiles, pyrophiles, and aerophiles. We are skinny dippers, sun worshippers, and stargazers. We are artists, sex workers, sexologists, academics, environmental and peace activists, feminists, eco-immigrants, putos, iputas, transhumanistas, nature fetishists, gender-bending gardeners, therapists, scientists, and educators, revolutionaries, dandies, polyamorous cultural monsters with dogs and other entities from radical ecologies. Whether GLBTQI, heterosexual, asexual, or other, our primary drive and identity is being ecosexual. Viva la ecosex revolution! Wow. Thank you so much, Beth and Annie. This is, um, I hope it'll inspire a lot of folks to go and watch your movies and learn more about your work and maybe be part of the next wedding. I hope there will be another one. We, we need all of your work in this world and in this movement. So uh, thank you so much for being on The Plague. And, uh, well, thank you, Larry. This has been really wonderful, and we love you very much. And your work, too, is very yeah. important at this we've, moment. We've learned a lot from you, Larry, uh, uh, on how to be creative activists. And it's going to be Earth Day soon, so everybody go out there and do some grass lingus and have a cloudgasm or two. It's really fun. <laughs> yeah, get, get into the soil. Smell the soil. Walk barefoot, dance for the earth. Um, you can find our 25 ways to make love to the earth. On our website at sexecology.org. Yeah. Like orgasm. <laughs> yeah. That's, what it's, that's what it's short for. Okay, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, um, Wonderful. Yeah, just, uh, and we always are open to collaboration and invite collaborators. And we also have the Earth Lab. At UC Santa Cruz, it stands for Environmental Art Research Theory and Happenings, Earth Lab. And uh, we have benefactors that help uh, fund the work and uh, support the work. And we invite a lot of students and all kinds of really great artists, uh, bring them out to the Earth Lab. And yeah so, we, so wonderful we, these are amazing resources that you're creating and and sharing uh and of course who knows what the future may bring i think it's a new world a new day is dawning and everything has changed because of the covid19 yeah well hopefully this is an opportunity for us to push it in the direction we need uh uh, while others are mischievously busy trying to push it into more of their paradigm. Absolutely. But Beth and Annie, as yeah. you have shown, uh, one can take loving and creative action to move things in the right direction. And uh, thank you so much for being on The Plague. And let's uh, come up with a little conspiracy and do something uh, mischievous ourselves soon, either in the virtual mm. world or when we can actually see each other in person again. 
We look forward to that, Larry. Thank you. Thank you, Larry. Love you both very much. Love love you, you Larry. Bye-bye for now. Bye. You've been listening to The Plague Podcast. I'm your host, L.M. Bogad. And for more information on my books and performance work, you can go to lmbogad.com. Sound design and music by Jason Montero and my other friend named Jay.